Dr. Chelsea Dawson was raised in Brantford, Ontario, in a home filled with pets. Her family was active volunteering for the local ASPCA, and Chelsea worked in the kennels as a volunteer coordinator and as a humane agent before earning her veterinary degree from the University of Glasgow in 2011. She was introduced to holistic medicine by one of her instructors in veterinary school, Samantha Lindley, who taught pain management as well as acupuncture. After graduation, she took a position in a multi-doctor small animal practice in England and earned her general practitioner certificate in Western veterinary acupuncture and chronic pain management. She began to see pain patients at the practice and after many client requests regarding herbal medicine, took an introductory Western herbal medicine course through CIVT. Dr. Dawson has advanced training in nutrition and behavior and has taught acupuncture to veterinarians and veterinary nurses and co-founded a UK-based herbal medicine course as well. She currently has her own referral practice in the north of England where she focuses on multimodal pain management, nutrition, herbal medicine, and behavior. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Chelsea Dawson as we discuss her childhood, her education, working in a multi-doctor practice, and then transitioning to solo referral practice, and her plans to move back to Ontario in 2023. Dr. Dawson, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. So where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a city called Brantford, Ontario, Canada. I know Brantford, home of Wayne Gretzky. It is, home of the great one. (laughs) (laughs) When did you get interested in veterinary medicine? Uh, Well, I grew up in a house full of pets. So I grew up in in a family of pet lovers. Um, when I was a, a kid and a teenager, all of our friends referred to our house as the Kirkland Zoo. That's my, my maiden name, Kirkland. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a house full of dogs and birds and reptiles and rats and chinchillas and rabbits and all sorts. So, um, sort of came by my interest in animals, honestly, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, as I, I got a bit older, I think when I was a teenager, my mum and my sister and I started volunteering for the SPCA just started out as dog walkers at the weekend. And and from there, I started working with the SPCA. I I worked under many hats um, on reception, in the kennels, volunteer coordinator, um, and ended up being an officer for the SPCA for a few years. And so um, on the back of that, um, I did that sort of all through through my first degree um, when I went to Ottawa to do biology um, and then ended up going to vet school. (laughs) So what was it like being a a humane officer as a a young person like that? Was it, and you were interested in veterinary medicine at the same time, was it, must've been pretty enlightening actually. It it was, yeah. And I guess, um, I think I went to vet school from a very different perspective because of the background that I had. Um, And to be honest, I, I kind of always thought that when I first got into it, I thought that I would go back into shelter medicine and life took me in a different direction. But um, I I definitely looked at things from a different point of view, I think, um, as opposed to always working with animals who had somebody caring for them. Um, You know, there was a lot of other ways of looking at things. It wasn't just about owners and, and, and owned animals for me. It correct me, but it seems like things things have evolved a lot in shelter medicine, and you know, probably back mm-hmm. then it was more of a punitive thing than an educational thing. Yeah, I think. I mean, I was really lucky um, where I was, and some of the vets that worked with the the shelter that that I worked with. Um, 
in fact, one of them was, was sort of my my mentor, and he's the one who pushed me to go to vet school. And I, I worked at his practice for a long time, and he's the one who, who pushed me to go to Glasgow. He was a, a Glasgow graduate. Um, so I was I was very lucky with the people that I I worked with and, and the shelter that I was at. I think when I first started volunteering, it was quite sort of an old school shelter in the beginning. Um, but very quickly they they took on a, an excellent manager who was very progressive at the time and really pushed to change things. Um, and we had a, a great board of directors and yeah, it's and it continues to evolve. And you know, shelter medicine is 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 not an easy line to get into um, from a medical point of view at all. But I think I was quite lucky with the the people that I was surrounded with. The people make all the difference, you know, it seems in, in working yeah. with some, some shelters here, you know, it's just the, the management and the, like you said, the board of directors, it can just, it can make a world of difference in the kind of fundraising they can do and the programs they can mm -hmm. provide. Yeah. And I think, I think I was quite lucky in, in that I was working with a lot of people who were, who worked closely with the vets, you know, it wasn't, I find sometimes it's often an us versus them thing when it comes to medicine. Um, and in that situation, it wasn't. I think we had some really good relationships with the medical professionals as well as the the, the staff at the shelter. So you went to Ottawa to I study did. biology to study biology with, I mean, an eye toward veterinary medicine. Then at that time, yes, yes, yeah. So I did three years at Ottawa U, and um, then and and Glasgow, Glasgow then, yeah, because because of the veterinarian <laughs> that you'd been working with. Yeah, he he was really pro Glasgow and and really keen for me to go there, and I kept sort of putting it off and putting it off. And I said, fine, just I'll bring them and I'll see. And they said, well, if you want to come over and have an interview, um, and uh, yeah, I had never left North America before. I traveled around Canada and traveled around the states a bit, but never actually been across the ocean until I flew over for my interview. What was it like going to school there? Oh, it was brilliant. It was. It was the best decision I ever made. I actually just spent this past weekend up in, in Scotland and in Glasgow and haven't been for, into Glasgow anyway, I haven't been for a while. And it was like going home. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And you got exposed to holistic medicine in school. I did. Yeah, to a degree. Not not everything that I do now, but um, I was very, very lucky. I was taught by um, a brilliant vet called Sam Lindley, Samantha Lindley, and she is the uh, chronic pain and behavior vet at Glasgow Uni. Um, so we got only a handful, unfortunately, not many lectures, but we did get lectures on behavior um, and a bit of pain. And, and she did give some lectures on acupuncture. Uh, so I knew quite early on that I was interested in that. What, what year did you graduate? I graduated in 2011. But still, even at that time, do you have behavior lectures and anything really pain management wasn't had really just started taking off then. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, Sam has sort of been at the the forefront of particularly um, chronic pain for a long time. Um, she's, she's been at it, you know, fighting the good fight a lot longer than a lot of the, the rest of us who do chronic pain. Um, so I was very lucky to have her. I would say that the lectures that we got were, were very few from her, but they were enough to make an impact on me. And where'd you go after graduation? So I uh, graduated and I did a very short stint in Northern Ireland, just a few months working for a practice. 
Um, and then I took a job in the northwest of England um, in a city called or in a town called Burnley, which is in Lancashire. Um, and was very lucky to have a really supportive boss there. Um, so very early on um, when I took that that position, I told them that I wanted to do acupuncture and was looking um, at doing the acupuncture and then following that up with a, a GP certification in chronic pain. And he said, if you can sort of give me a bit of a, an explanation of how that will work in practice, sort of a, a business proposal, um, then I'm sure we can make it work. And and we did. Was it useful you having to do that kind of legwork ahead of time? I think it was. Yeah, because it made me really think about what I was, how I was going to make it all work. Um, especially from, I mean, from from an employee's point of view, for me doing an, an hour consultation an hour hour and a half sometimes my initial consultations would be you know that's that's not any sort of issue from my point of view as an employee but my employer if I'm supposed to be seeing several consultations in an hour and I'm only getting through one it's a bit different so I had to really think about how do we make this work had to look at the the financial side of it um, and logistical side of it which later on down the line uh, when I became self-employed obviously I had already had a bit of experience with that how many veterinarians were in the practice when you joined it? Oh, uh, when I joined it, we had three full-time and one part-time vet. Um, but I worked there for several years. And by the time I left, I think we had seven or eight full-time vets. Wow. So it grew a lot in the time I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you decide to stay in Europe? Um. Well, I was about halfway through doing my vet degree. So so in the UK, uh, a veterinary degree is five years. Um, and after my third year, I stayed for the summer and, and worked. Uh, and at that point, I thought, you know what, I think I'd like to stick around for a little while and explore a bit more of the UK and actually live in the UK. You know, being a student in Glasgow was one thing, but it's not quite the same as actually living <laughs> and working in, in the UK. So I thought I would stick around a bit longer. Um, so yeah, at that point, the plan was to stay for maybe, you know, a couple of years, but then life happened and I adopted a couple of dogs and then I met my now husband and his son, my stepson, and now I have, have my son as well. Um, so yeah, I just kept going <laughs> and several years later, you know, what is it? 11 years later, I'm still here. Oh, geez. So how long were you at that, the practice? That practice in England that you joined? Uh, it was just shy. I think it was about six and a half years, six to seven years I was there. And your the uh, kind of the holistic part of it was the pain management and acupuncture. That's how it started. Yeah. So yeah. I was doing, I was running chronic pain clinics, um, and doing a lot of acupuncture, uh, and it seemed that I was getting asked more and more about other things, um, usually herbs. So I was being asked about herbal medicine and you know things that people had read online. Can my pet have, you know, X, Y, Z? Um, a little bit about homeopathy here and there, but usually it was herbal medicine I was being asked about. So I approached my boss at the time, and to be honest, I didn't really have that much interest in herbal medicine. I just said, look, I'm I'm getting asked more and more and more. I think people think because I know about acupuncture, I must know about other things. Um, and said, I think from a safety point of view it would be worthwhile me doing even just like a little foundation course, introductory course 
just so that I could answer people people's questions. Um, so I took just the sort of basic CIVT foundation course online, and then I was hooked. <laughs> and it was a slippery slope from there. And I've done lots of other courses and, and read absolutely everything I could possibly read and done all sorts of stuff online and met lots and lots of people. And um, yeah, now it's, you know, herbal medicine is a, a huge part of what I do. And through that, I started getting more into nutrition um, and, well, behavior, that behavior kind of came on the back of the chronic pain stuff. So yeah, I do all sorts of things. But as far as the sort of complementary stuff goes, it's it's a lot of herbal medicine and, and acupuncture. Did you have an assistant at the practice or were you, were you doing all your formulations yourself? How did that work? Oh, it was just me. Um, when I was at the practice, yeah, it was mainly me. I had um, one of the the receptionists there who, who was the head receptionist. She would help me out. I sort of trained her to blend uh, tinctures and things like that for any time that I was away um, so that people weren't waiting for prescriptions and things. But um, since going self-employed, it's it's just me. <laughs> And you did that in 2018? I did, yeah. I, I finished work at the end of 2017 um, and went self-employed January 2018. Uh, and two weeks later, found out I was pregnant with my son. So it was all a bit of a crazy year. <laughs> so what was the idea when you struck out on your own? Uh, was it that you were going to have a, a facility, that you were going to travel? What was what was the plan? Yeah. The, the plan was, um, I mean, I, I still, even even when I left and, and even now, um, I have a really good relationship with the practice that I worked with. So when I left, they were still really supportive and, and we talked about how we could still make it work so I could still provide the same care for all of the patients that were, were their clients. Um, so the plan was that I was going to start working with them one or two days a week. I would go in and have a room to run my clinics out of. Um, and then I would approach some other practices as well, which I did. And over the a couple of years, I um, started working with two other practices across the north of England. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> and I couldn't get into practices because I wasn't an employee. So the last couple of years, I've been doing mainly home visits, um, a lot of traveling um, from one end of the country to the other. Uh, but yeah, it's kept things going. So are you, are you still mobile now or What's your practice I'm, like right now? Well, I'm back in the original practice. So I go there once or twice a week still. Uh, but otherwise, it's just uh, home visits at the moment. But I am actually winding down because the plan is to head back to Canada next year. Yeah, I want yeah. we'll get, to. We'll get to that in a few <laughs> minutes. So if we can go back for a second, when you were mm-hmm. consulting, consulting at the three practices, what did, how did you work your herbal prescriptions? Did you have an inventory at each place? Did you... No, I, I, I kept my stock at home um, and I would just supply. So I would either post to clients or because I was in once a week, um, if clients had ordered anything or I knew I would, they were going to need something, I would just bring it with me. So it would sit sort of at the dispensary in the practice, but it was, it was something that I had, had made and labeled and everything. So when you, when you started your own business, were you, um, where are we at as far as doing nutritional consults and the behavior consults? Were you already doing that? No, they came in the last few years. Um, so the nutrition I got into, it was probably, well, it was probably fairly early on when I, I became self-employed. I was, I was always very interested in nutrition. 
Um, and I've always, for a very long time anyway, been a very big advocate of fresh food feeding, so raw food or, or cooked. Uh, so I had done a fair amount of sort of bits here and there, um, but I had never really got into formulating um, and auditing diets until the past year or so. Um, but have always have always sort of advocated the use of, of fresh food diets and helped clients to to point them in the right direction to do things safely and appropriately uh, for their pet. And how about the behavior end? When when did you start working on that? Yeah, behavior. So uh, behavior and pain go hand in hand. Um, I think in the UK anyway, there's a rough statistic that something like I think it's somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of veterinary behavior referrals are pain. Um, so, again, that was that was Sam Lindley's influence. Um, that's how she got into pain. She had started in behavior um, and then realized that almost everything she was seeing was actually pain. Uh, so ended up going down the chronic pain route. Uh, so for years, there's sort of been a bit here and there. Um, I was fortunate enough to have worked very closely with a behaviorist, um, a, a vet nurse at the practice that I used to work at, who had done all of her, her certifications in behavior. So we did a lot of work together, a uh, lot of referrals back and forth uh, between us. And last year, she... Last year, about 18 months ago, maybe, she told me that she was planning to move up to Scotland. And I thought, oh, now who am I going to use? Uh, and at the same time, Sam Lindley said that she was going to be running her behavior certificate again um, and said, are you interested in doing it? And they were going to put it online because of the pandemic. They'd never done that before. So I sort of said, well, I guess I guess now's as good a time as ever. So I've done all of the the training, all of the courses and all of the modules for my uh, GP cert in behavior, just working on case logs and things now. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's behavior. I thought chronic pain and things was hard work. Behavior is, um, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated area to get into. Absolutely. I got to go back because that, you know, for that practice that you were employed at to have a technician that did behavior work is, is kind of progressive as well. Yes. Yeah, she was she was brilliant. And again, it I think that the practice I was at, it wasn't necessarily that our boss or anybody there was was particularly into any of that stuff, but he was always very supportive of the people who were. So, you know, he used to joke around that that I was you know, did witchcraft and things. And he would be like, Yeah, yeah, well we'll we'll just see if Chelsea's witchcraft can can sort this dog out. But over the years, he, you know, he, he's referred lots and lots of patients to me and, and continues to do so. Um, so we're, I was very lucky to have such a supportive boss. That's really nice. You know, uh, most practices don't, don't have that kind of cooperation. And to, no. to have, like you said, a boss that maybe, uh, you know, didn't, certainly wasn't educated in that, but recognized mm -hmm. that, you know, that's a different sort of thing. I mean, you're, like you said, you're looking at 90 minute consults. I mean, behavior, geez, you know, the kind of time that you have to spend with those, mm -hmm. those clients. I mean, that's so outside the traditional 15 minute appointment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is. And yeah, I was really lucky. Even the stuff like the, the raw feeding, you know, you'll know there's lots of vets out there who, who are very much against it. And he was never, you know, and and to be honest, not just him, the other my colleagues as well, all of the other vets, none of them were necessarily anti-raw. Um, and if a client was insistent on on feeding it or was asking questions about it, 
they would just say, right, I'll get Chelsea to contact you. They had no no issues with saying, look, I, I don't know enough about it. I'll get somebody who does rather than giving the client a hard time. That's really nice. nice too, right? Because mm-hmm. how many places would they say, well, at least over here, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be Hills or Royal Canaan or Purina or nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, I would say it's similar here. And a lot of those, that's, that would be their go-to. But if a client asked the question, they would say, I'll just refer you to Chelsea, which which is really nice. And I think that was, you know, I've worked in a practice with a really nice atmosphere and, and that supportive nature. But also I spent a lot of time discussing it and and explaining it and sort of proving to a degree that, you know, what I do is not just, like I said, witchcraft. <laughs> it's not it's not just something that I've Googled and 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 decided to do. It's something that I've really done a lot of research into. Well, that's for your, that's to everyone's benefit, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's the way to go with colleagues, really. Um, over the years, any colleagues I've had issues with, it's, I always just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And hopefully they'll realize that actually I am a vet. I am trained and just as qualified as, as anybody else. And, and for the most part, they do come around. A lot of colleagues will go, oh, when I first read what you did, I was like, oh, God, what's she going to be like? Um, but then after getting to know me, are actually quite open to the idea of, of the different you know, complementary things that I do. That's really nice, especially when you now you have your training in nutrition and, and mm-hmm. behavior, you know, sort of they're sort of more mainstream, I guess, uh, yes. disciplines. I mean, yes. yeah. So now with the pandemic and and doing mobile work, I mean, you've <laughs> you've picked, I think, in behavior and nutrition, you've picked the two most time consuming, um, yep. you know, mo- things that you can do. How, how does that work on a day to day basis for you? Well, I have the luxury of being self-employed, so I can kind of make up whatever hours I want. Um, what I tend to do is, is I, well, I'm notorious for overbooking myself. Um, but since having my son and, and whatnot, and, and with him being three and a half now, I'm much more careful about time management and when I'm home and when I'm, when I'm not. And I'm often on the road probably three or four days a week, uh, but I'd be home for sort of, you know, dinner time and, and bedtime routine. Uh, I'm often up first thing in the morning, very early in the morning doing my emails. I've had a few clients who have commented on, I can't believe you're sending me an email at five o'clock in the morning. And I always say, well, that's the only hour I get to myself. (laughs) So it's just about finding the time in and around family life really for me. Um, And, you know, next week I don't, I try not to work weekends, but I've just booked in some clients for next weekend. And that's because I'm taking a day off in the middle of the week to, to go to a concert instead. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite lucky that I have that luxury of kind of just picking and choosing what's going to work for me and my family. Good for you. Um, yeah. you know, and I just think of like with both nutrition and, and behavior, you know, the follow-up, are you doing a lot of that? Mm-hmm. Are you doing it by, by phone, by email, video? How do how are you managing Mostly, that? Um, not video. I don't really do video. Um, lots of emails, uh, phone as well. And I try to, I mean, it really depends. It it depends on what an animal has been referred to me for. If it is just a case of of looking at diet and formulating a a diet for them, uh, then I I can do that. And that's sort of that, that's it done. And if there's any issue with it, something doesn't agree with the pet, that kind of thing, then usually there's a bit of emailing back and forth until we find the right ingredients for that, for that animal. So, um, I don't find, I think the the auditing and the formulation takes a while, 
but that's only because I'm still fairly new at doing it. Um, behavior is the, the big one. That takes a long time. Um, and that takes quite a bit of follow-up. Um, and again, like I said, mainly emails, but owners can always ring me if, if they need to. And I book in follow-up appointments and things like that. And for your pain management work and the behavior, are you using conventional medications alongside natural things or how's, how's your approach? Yeah. Yeah. My approach to everything is really, I, I I would say is, is integrative. It's, it's, it's complementary or holistic in the, in the true sense of, of the word. So I don't think it should be us versus them. I don't think we should be saying, absolutely no to, to sort of conventional medicine and we shouldn't be saying absolutely no to to things like herbal medicine um i think to optimize treatment my my view on it and my experience with it is that using both gets you the best results um so particularly where pain is concerned i do use a lot of medication uh i think that it's very difficult particularly the types of, of patients that I'm seeing because I'm seeing you know animals who are in quite a bit of chronic pain uh, so I will prescribe medications I use all sorts of different types of meds but I use a lot of acupuncture I add in herbs so sometimes those herbs will be from an anti-inflammatory or, or analgesic point of view uh, but oftentimes the way I use herbs is to sort of fill in the gaps where conventional medicine lets us down so from a chronic pain point of view, a lot of my chronic pain patients will be on tinctures that have liver and kidney support uh, because they're on long-term medication and are often geriatric. Uh, I'll be looking at gut support. Uh, I look at circulation. You know, we don't really have anything unless you're you're actively trying to increase or decrease blood pressure. We don't really have anything that just helps support, you know, the peripheral circulation, that kind of thing in conventional medicine. So I use that a lot in chronic pain because I find you get those you know, stagnant joints and tight muscles. So getting circulation out to those areas is, is essential. Um, lots of adaptogen herbs because these are animals who are coping with a lot of stress physically and emotionally. Um, so it, it's that those sorts of things that I tend to use my herbs for. Uh, it's alongside medication. That sounds great. So you, you must be working with uh, primary care veterinarians then and follow up blood work, that sort of stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I always say to people, even people who are coming to me solely for herbs, um, you know, almost even more so, I think it's important to do regular blood work because now that I've got all these herbs to use, we, you know, no matter what we find, there's potentially something I can do to help support your pet. So keeping on top of regular blood work and regular checkups is is really important. You bet. Tell me yeah. about your teaching a little bit. Oh, yeah, teaching. That, that came about um, when I found out I was pregnant as well. Um, it was a crazy couple of years. Um, so early on in 2018, um, after going self-employed, uh, Sam Lindley contacted me uh, and we had a chat about the course and she asked if I'd be interested in helping teach the acupuncture course. Um, so we run four foundation courses a year, two in Scotland and two in England. And um, so I started doing that uh, with the view to me sort of over the last few years, doing more and more of the lecturing till we're sort of 
half and half with it just to take some of the pressure off of her. Um, and through that, I started talking to a colleague of ours, Anna Rodriguez, who is now my business partner. Um, Anna and I had been talking about how we, we didn't have anything in the UK from a herbal point of view for vets. So obviously we've got CIVT, which does all of their online training. Um, but we didn't have anything that was specifically UK. Um, so, you know, we were chatting about when I did my initial foundation course, I learned about all of these herbs and things. I had no idea where to get them. It was all the sort of practical bits. And I went, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so we thought it would be really nice to have just a basic foundation course for vets in the UK. And, and yeah, we, we took that on, wrote a four-day foundation course, and we launched that in 2019. And since then, that's, that unfortunately did have to go online but we uh, because of the pandemic. But we still kept it as practical as we could. So we send out samples of all of the herbs that we teach on the course. We do a lot of um, you know mixing and uh, formulating and things like that on the course. So we, we've managed to keep it going throughout throughout covid um, and it's been it's been good actually we've we've i think we've picked up quite a few vets that we wouldn't have otherwise because doing it online was easier for them i bet yeah especially yeah. during the pandemic it's been it's been really interesting uh there are so many vets out there looking they they want that knowledge they they are really interested and i think because it is seen as a bit out there a bit alternative um they just don't know where to look or or where to start so it's been it's been really interesting to meet some of the vets who have started coming on our course and, and see just how many people actually are really interested in this cool all right so now you've made the decision to move back to canada ah yeah i never thought i would <laughs> it's uh it's it's all a bit crazy it might be the craziest idea i've ever had uh but you know um yeah, there's lots of reasons behind it, but um, the the short story is I always said I'd never go back, but then I had a baby and my whole family are there um, and, you know, having a kid changes everything. So where and my husband, who is English, he's I'm pretty sure that's why he married me. I think on our first date, he thought this is my ticket to Canada. <laughs> so he's been desperate to go since we met. Uh, and I've always been the one to say no, but. No, we're planning to go next year, beginning of next year. Back to Brantford. We are going to go back to Brantford. I'm not really sure where we'll end up, but the, the initial plan is to head back there. Um, and then I'll have to sort out some of my licensing and that kind of thing. Um, and then my, my plan is to open a practice doing all of my stuff. So it'll still be a referral service. It wouldn't be a first-line vets. Um, but have it all in one place so I don't have to do as much driving anymore. <laughs> That's nice. Even though it, <laughs> having done a lot of driving years ago, um, it takes a lot of time. It's very inefficient. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, it it's it's lovely seeing the, you know, the English countryside and whatnot. I've got some lovely places I travel to. But, you know, when you've got then two or three hours of note writing and report writing to do once you get home, it, it takes a lot of time. Oh, gosh, so, yes. And and I think one of the, the downsides to the way that I work has been that the lines between family life and work life are a bit blurred. Um, me checking my emails first thing in the morning, that kind of thing. And, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to having 
a building that I can turn the computers off and turn the phones over and lock it up and go home and not have to to take work with me. It's a big benefit. Mm. It's a big yes, benefit. Yes. I'm learning. I'm learning as I age that I do I do need to actually have a life outside of work. <laughs> yeah. So how as do you much plan- as I love it. <laughs> how do you plan on managing the te- the teaching? Uh, so the acupuncture, uh, we are looking at getting a few other people trained up over the next year to help Sam out here. But we are also talking about me taking the acupuncture course with me to Canada um, and offering it there. Um, and same with the herbal. So I'll still continue to teach online with Anna, um, but she'll kind of hold down the fort here and I'll I'll take the course with me and see see if I can get any of the North American vets interested. Well, there shouldn't be any shortage of uh, of interest. You know the yeah. the uh, the Canadian course, the uh, Ivis course, always does mm-hmm. pretty well, but it's not offered in Canada very often. Yes, really? yeah, and I think for me, it's it's well the 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 way that I teach the courses that I teach are very much a Western approach. I think that's why I've, we've got such a different array of vets, and that's nothing against traditional teaching at all. I think you know, traditional Chinese medicine is absolutely incredible. Um, but that's just not what I teach. And I think often what, what happens is people tend to start from a Western approach because it makes more sense to our vet brains, <laughs> um, looking at it from a, a, a point of view of, of how we've been taught and learned all along. Um, and a lot of them then go on to do a bit more and look more into the traditional things. And so I don't think, you know, I never look at these courses as, as competition or anything like that. I think there's room for everybody. And I think different styles of teaching and different approaches to it are worth having for different types of, of individuals. Absolutely. I mean, having more choice is best. And you're right. You know, a lot of, for a lot of veterinarians, it's it's more palatable to come in from the medical yeah. acupuncture side of things and yeah. see where, see where things go. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it's also just fighting the good fight. I mean, I think the more of us who are doing it, the better. Uh, <laughs> I, so yeah. if, if we've got more and more courses out there, happy days, more people doing it. You know, people say, are you, do you want to be flooding the market and, 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 you know, have someone just down the road who's doing the same as you? And to be honest, I would love it. I, I think it's brilliant. I don't want to keep it all to myself. I think I believe in it so much. And I've seen what these sorts of things can do for my patients. I, I, would love it if everyone was doing it. Oh yes, you're you're absolutely right. There's plenty of work to be done. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, this has been great. It's been wonderful talking to you. Yeah, and, great uh, talking to you. Thanks for having me. Your story, and I you'll be close enough. I hope that we can meet in person sometime. Yes, absolutely. I'll be over there, and I'll have to get involved in in all of the the complimentary vet stuff over there. Start meeting people. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, have a good day. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.